I'm Betches co-founder Jordana Abraham, and this episode is brought to you by Instacart. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on, while she's sneezing, coughing, aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us, trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues to tea to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Hello, and welcome to the Betches Up podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is your bi-weekly rundown of all the craziest shit happening in the news brought to you by your two funniest friends, which is which us. Which is us. Which is us. Today we're talking about coronavirus, Europe's travel ban, and Super Tuesday 2. Let's get into it. Betches Media presents. Like beer, I don't know if you do. Okay. Do you like beer, Senator, or not? Um, Mom, I want a vape. <laughs> Nude pictures of Trump. Come on now. Don't mess with me. The Betches Sup Podcast. How dare you? So good to yes. be far away from you, Caitlin. I cannot see Amanda at all. I cannot. No. And I think she's I, in a different location. That is true. I did. I am not invisible. That would be a very exciting story. That would be a really big development. I really <laughs> feel like the entire podcast should be about that. Yes, that's uh-huh. what's getting me through the week. I... I have earned the powers of invisibility somehow. How are you doing, Caitlin? I'm okay. Um, like it's it's kind of crazy because yeah. Um, the other other stuff that I do, it's like oh, we're you know still interacting with people and still totally you know there's like tons of rubber gloves every like tons of latex gloves, mm-hmm. tons of gloves everywhere, lots yeah. of sanitizing, everything that's anything yeah i've i've used like tons of alcohol swabs like just today just cleaning oh my god yeah knobs like like humans are are disgusting we are disgusting animals you guys i'm so sorry like it's gross we're all very (laughs) gross now that we do this it's like shouldn't should we should be doing this all the time like why Why were we not doing this before but people were like oh you should wash your hands and i was like was this was this not a thing that people were doing? And then right, you find right, out, no, it was not a thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I, I can't talk to these people. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. it can feel so futile, just like, especially living in the city, doing everything you can. And it's like, well, if my neighbor is not, then I'm fucked. Yeah, pretty much. This is this yeah. is one of those where it's like super contagious because of other people being yes. kind of trashy. And like, that's mm-hmm. the worst kind of contagious. Because at least like when it's within your own power, you're like, oh, well, I exactly. really, I really messed up. But in this particular case, it's just straight up like, oh, okay. No matter right. what I do, you're you're I gonna know. mess this up for me, person who licks their own hands. <laughs> like, <laughs> why, why would you do that? <laughs> I know. Every time, like, I just was eating popcorn. I, I eat popcorn every night, and I've been doing it with chopsticks because I just can't handle handheld snacks right now. I'm already like furiously biting my nails, so I've gotta, wow. I've gotta control what I can. I know. It's bad. That's next better. level. I actually really impress. I like that's very impressive. I am impressed by that. By um, the chopsticks. <laughs> by the chopsticks. Yeah. yeah. Like I haven't. I'm just. I'm over here being like, you know, death is inevitable. I just. I'm just right. like oh eating my God, things like normal and then, like sanitizing my hands a bunch. Being like, oh, I just, yeah. I just put my hands in my mouth. Oh, let me wash my hands. And then being totally. like, oh, well, if that didn't work out, then I guess I'm going to murder people and or die. Whatever. Right. right. Yeah. But you're very <laughs> yeah. thoughtful. And I think I'm the doing whole my world best. appreciates how thoughtful you are. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of what's, the, what's getting you through the week. What's getting me through the roof. That feels like a very good segue. Yes. Well, I've been consuming a lot of Internet content. The Betch's office is closed for the time being. So I think I said on Monday, like, don't expect any, we don't expect any service interruptions in the podcast. And we still don't, we'll still be doing it. There's still tons of news, if not more than ever, we're just going to be doing it remotely for the time being until it is absolutely safe for everyone around us to return to the office. What's getting me through the week is yesterday at a game, the U.S. Women's National Team turned their warm-up jerseys inside out to hide the crest of U.S. soccer, which is their employer. They are currently deep in an equal pay lawsuit with U.S. soccer that has kind of escalated yesterday or earlier this week in legal findings. U.S. soccer basically argued in very terms with no nuance (laughs) whatsoever 
that yep. um, women should be paid less because they are both less skilled than male players and because they have less responsibility, which is just almost this like is, a farce of something they would say. It's, it's just like, it's an Ouroboros of logic. You're just looking at it being like, how does it, does, it just circuit, it just eats itself. That doesn't make any sense. Men are <laughs> more know. competent because they're more competent. It's like, wait, 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 wait. They won how many? How many uh, World Cups have they won at this point? And how many have the men won? And just wild. Yeah. Yes. Way yeah. to go. And that's more responsibility. Soccer. Yeah. So they made a statement. I have loved everything they have done since since winning the World Cup. Um, yeah. We'll see. I think this trial actually goes to a jury in May. And that's when I think everything's going to pop off. But they're not backing down. U.S. soccer has read the situation completely wrong. Uh, and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But I expect to see a lot more, you know, public statements of of solidarity. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was cool because the pictures of them doing it. You know, every game they have like young girls come out with them when they're when they're saying when they're singing the anthem. And I don't know if the whole, you know, what's going on is really comprehensible to young kids. But if it was, I like the idea that that that's something that they could see those those women standing up for themselves. Yes, that is tell that me is an amazing thing to get you through the week. Yeah, it's um, helping. Mine is not as nice, but it's actually pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm I'm actually taking some comfort from uh, the efforts that have been made by the city of Seattle to keep all the lights on, keep all utilities going during the coronavirus outbreak. It's been especially bad in Seattle, especially bad in Washington as a state. And uh, one of the first things that they did was basically say, like, no one's going to have your water shut down. No one's going to have your lights turned off, you know, because you can't pay. At this moment, we're going through a public health crisis. Like, you can't leave your home. We're not going to have someone come in and, like, take away essential services from people while they're they're experiencing this, this horrible public health outbreak, which really is our responsibility, not yours. Um, mm-hmm. It's all of our responsibilities. But, like, to some degree, the city of Seattle is like, we're not going to mess up. Like, be like, oh, I'm sorry, you're like. A month later on your water bill, time to Right, I know. Yeah, the way you're describing water. it is like totally logical and exactly what should be done, but in the country it is regarded as like something radical. I think luckily Seattle also has a city ordinance requiring at least fourteen days paid leave for everybody. Yeah. And I think like there's just like it's small things, but I mean for the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, this feels like a really great thing because this is one of those things where it's like, oh, this is not about making money. This is about protecting people. And right. I really, that's really exciting to me. That's like depressing. Mm-hmm. That's like my, like, like, that's what I'm excited about. Humanitarian crises bringing out the best in people. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I know. <laughs> but like, couldn't you just get the good stuff without the right. crisis? Right, um, right. Couldn't this just be case. assumed? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, um, been very heartening to see that, you know, cities in the United States have started to act more proactively, even as the federal government has really fallen back on, on coronavirus and everything. So that is yeah. what's getting me through the week right now. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Okay, let's jump into the main news, which, believe it or not, is coronavirus. It's hard to sort of... I know. Did you hear about this? I think it's serious. I had no idea. None. (laughs) 
zero whatsoever. <laughs> it's just like, the, I know I was thinking yesterday, I ran one errand yesterday and I was like, this would be, this is the amount of people that should be out and about in New York City all the time. This is a perfect amount of people because <laughs> it was just like dead and there was no lines anywhere and it was, it was magical. Oh my gosh, my lovely. commute this morning into, <laughs> yeah, my commute this morning was amazing. I was like, wow, there's, there's, a, we're just, this is a quarter to eight in the morning on the yeah. A train. <laughs> and I can get on. This is fantastic. I and they, I got they cleaned it. And it's yeah. clean, cleaner than I mean, let's not ever say anything is clean in this city. That's that true. is tremendous misnomer for people who are not <laughs> from here and have not been here for a moment. But oh, yes, yeah, trust. It is it is definitely not not clean, but it is cleaner and it's kind of exciting to be like, wow, I yeah. didn't I didn't know that. That it looked that way underneath I know, the grime and the vomit. Be. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, New York. New York yeah. just banned gatherings of 500 people. I feel like now the news. There's been just a drip, drip of things that feel dramatic, and now it's like this is happening. It's infiltrated. It's it's happening. So the U.S. still doesn't seem to be in much urgency to avoid Italy's fate specifically. I feel like I've heard a lot like. We need to be more like South Korea than Italy in a couple weeks. Um, Italy is on lockdown after the death toll in Europe's worst affected country jumped by 196 in a day. So now it's at 827. Um, those mm -hmm. are deaths. Confirmed cases in the country rose to over 12,000. Um, I've just been reading a lot of sort of pleas from healthcare workers to for, I think, specifically Americans to take this more seriously and isolate themselves voluntarily. Um, because that's how they think this has um, become so dire in Italy. Like, even if you're young, even if you're healthy, like you could, you know, you could kill somebody old just by walking outside and, and breathing on them. Um, it does not women's really history seem... month. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say women's history month factoid, typhoid Mary, yeah. the start of the typhoid crisis in New York city back in the day was an asymptomatic <gasps> carrier. Just remembering That's hilarious. Please, yes, please. Yeah. Please, please, please. If someone says that, like, you could be carrying, you're like, I don't have symptoms yet. Like, I don't know, be like extra super duper cautious and possibly, like, don't go places if you don't have yeah. to. Like, exactly. we've all been anxious being like, hey, you know, you know, like, there, we've all seen the memes about, like, when people ask you to go out and you're like, what if I could figure out some way of canceling? Like, it's like entirely exactly. about, like, how can I cancel? You've now got your excuse, everybody. We've all got the excuse we've been dreaming of. Let's yeah. cancel. This is an introvert's wet dream. This is totally. so exciting. I, my, <laughs> my introverted self is like, oh, think about all the days I'm going to be at home binge watching all the things that I never got around to watching. Like, exactly. I was definitely going to watch. Reading I could do. I'm like, wow, totally. I can catch up on so much stuff. Exactly. I'm not, and then, I'm, like, I'm not in isolation right now, though, you guys. Right, right. Yes. Yeah, I know. And then at night I have like nothing to do because when I'm, when you're around working from home, like, you know, I'll just mm -hmm. clean up this thing or organize this thing, like between tasks when I need to wind down. And then at like six o'clock, I'm like, I have literally nothing, nothing to do. Oh my I think they're God. probably going to close my, uh, my building's gym eventually. I feel like they should. That sounds reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. I still, am I still like, going outside i'm being like as careful as i can be unfortunately um my my regular job does not has not closed anything down um right. i have gotten sick leave um so i oh, can great. use that which is a nice like is little bit buffer yeah that they've created like a specific form of sick leave that's just for this really and being like hey mm -hmm. if you have any colder flu symptoms do not walk into this. It's a it's a yeah. store. I work at a store. Like we yeah. we we have many stores. It is a bad idea for anyone to walk in while they're sick, especially if you're a worker, because we touch everything in the store, like everything, right. everything. It is a terrible idea. We would definitely, even the most thoughtful of us, could transfer it. So I'm really I'm really excited that we have like a little bit of a buffer. Yeah, and I think that's like one of the things that's so interesting is like. Huh, as we're going through this is thinking about all the ways our society has not been built to like protect mm -hmm. people. Like we have like in theory have a government of the people for the people. And I'm like, ah, well now we're seeing the limits of that false notion. Right. Yeah. Yeah, especially when I think a lot of people, especially like Trump officials or 
Fox News have used the fact that like so many people do die of the flu to sort of diminish the impact of this. But it's like, no, that's exactly why you should have paid sick leave all the time. The flu does yeah. kill a ton of people. If you're sick during yeah. flu season, you should not go to work exactly. and you should still be paid for staying home. Think about the, the fact that we like New York City passed paid sick leave. I think the official paid sick leave law went into effect last year. But like mm -hmm. 10 days of paid sick leave was is required under New York City ordinance. And like that is crazy to me that it took until we are in the 21st century and yeah. we're getting like basic labor concessions of like we are we are actually meat bags with organic computers stuck <laughs> at the top of us. This is not this is not like you need to take care right. of the, the meat bags to make sure that they don't like infect and murder each other. Like let's, well, let's right. work on that, you guys. Let's work on taking care of the human and not just the extract as much from the organic computer as possible. Right, not to mention that like, you're supposed to self quarantine for 14 days if you show any symptoms. But I guess we're just gonna see how 10 goes in this city of dreams. Yeah, yeah, I'm really, really worried about the number of like, especially service workers, especially food workers, especially people at the bottom of the of the pyramid, as it were, who do a lot of the essential labor. And a lot of that is manual labor. A lot of that is touching things. A lot of that is not having bathrooms to wash your hands all the time. Mm -hmm. Everybody who's staying home is going to be getting delivery. Okay, well, mm -hmm. what about your delivery person? Like, what, what they obviously couldn't stop working because they need to abet everyone else not working. Exactly. But in the same way, like, how often are they getting time to actually wash their hands and not just use hand sanitizer, which hospitals have said, like, soap and water is better. So, right. Yeah. It's also just, I'm sure this is how it is in many cities, but in New York, especially in Manhattan in the past couple of years, in some neighborhoods, you can walk many blocks without, and just like two thirds of the block is an open storefront because nobody can afford the rent. A lot of New York small yep. businesses, like, they really can't afford to lose even a week of revenue. Like the rents are so crazy that as much yep. as like, I do want more to be shut down. I, I just read that already like a big chef, like a Michelin, a James Beard award-winning chef is going to close 12 of his Seattle restaurants. So I'm like, what I've been thinking about a lot is just how many small businesses in the city could not recover from having to shut down for two weeks if there aren't protections for them. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, especially small businesses, especially like, yeah, we're we're in a place where I, I think that you kind of see all the ways in which we mm -hmm. were unprepared for this. And people have been holding on to status quo in so many ways for so long. You know, like, there's Ebola panic, but like, no one's really panicked that they were going to like, swap blood and or fecal matter with somebody right. who had Ebola. Like, we weren't all like, oh, wow, that's definitely normal in our society. Like, no, it is yeah. not. And we knew that it was probably not going to be a pandemic. We also knew that the causes of the pandemic in many of the places where it had been was because of poor infrastructure, like lack of running water, and having mm -hmm. to share water sources and having to share water and um, like uh, uh, sanitary sources at the same place. Like that right. creates the problem. But now we're seeing that our system with just a touch based one, how much of our economy is really based around person to person interaction. Um, mm -hmm. And now yeah. that we see that we're all I mean, I had a coworker is panicking with me being like, are we really going to shut the entire economy down over this? And I was like, well, know. you know, a few million deaths will definitely also damage the economy. No one's going to be like, like that entire industry seemed to have all of its employees die. Problem solved, you guys. Now there's unemployment. Mm -hmm. Like, what? That's not probably what's going to happen. You know, so, right. I mean, it's a lot of delirious effects, but I also think, mm -hmm. like, this is a unique opportunity for us to actually take measure and see, like, hey, well, there's stuff we can fix. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, last night, the president spoke. It's very reassuring. Uh, um, yikes. Although, did you see, did you see the clip going around where afterwards he just says, okay, in a really weird way? I have not. I, I've been, I admit, even though I, I'm obsessed with politics, I do my best not to Same. watch or listen to Donald Trump. I actually didn't watch it until this morning just because my boyfriend last night was like, you need to stop. I was getting really nervous last night. Like, I think you should just 
stop for a minute. And I was like, that's true. I can, I can watch it last night. But he basically yeah. just announced the travel ban on 26 European countries. Uh, what he announced last night is radically different from what we're hearing about today. <laughs> it caused a lot of confusion. He made it mm -hmm. sound like no American currently in Europe uh, or anybody cur currently in, in Europe can come to this country. Um, caused a ton of panic. I read that somebody bought a $20,000 ticket back from Paris, which must be outrageous. nice. Outrageous. Outrageous. Um, today, it was clarified that this applies primarily to foreign nationals who have been in any of those 26 countries from the Schengen region, which I think you can move through uh, with a particular singular type of visa. So that's sort of the motivation. Uh, meanwhile, the United Kingdom is not included, even though they have their cases have ballooned. Even today, their cases ballooned. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any logical reason why they were excluded, other than maybe that Trump has resorts there. Um, wow. Yeah. Super so maybe fun. that. Probably that. But uh, it was definitely the more the most somber he seemed to be about the situation, but that bar was pretty low. Uh, on February 24th, he said that the virus was very much under control, that we had 15 mm -hmm. cases, and he expected them to go down to zero very soon. Today, there are 1,300 cases, uh, but that's not true because there's no huge lack of testing, and so we really have no idea how many cases there are, probably a lot more than that. Congress's in-house doctor told them behind closed doors he expects, or he or she expects, 70 million to 150 million Americans to contract the virus, um, which so sounds between a like quarter most of us. and yeah. half of the country. Yeah, so not just, not like, 15 to people. Feel that. I mean, it's really hard sometimes. Like when you hear millions, be like, "That's crazy!" Like, I mean, it's not that difficult, especially if you get into like huge metro areas. Like cities are basically that's always been the case. Cities are are pretty big so like yeah it's a lot of people it's it's a uh, it's alarming yeah i think the the most alarming thing is not like i think the the thing to be less concerned about is like what happens if you get it because the chances mm -hmm. are pretty low the thing is about whether or not you spread it spreading mm -hmm. it means that the number of people who have it like the chances that we will run out of bed We'll run out of ventilators. Right. We'll run out of medical devices. That's the thing to be worried about. And that's what's happening as, in Italy. Yeah, exactly. Like the the worry is that not that, oh, man, people are going to be sick. Like, OK, we all have gotten sick at some point in our lives. We have antibodies. Um, people who are immune compromised. This is a pretty terrifying time because anywhere becomes dangerous. So their mobility gets um, shut down significantly. and then more broadly like we don't necessarily have the resources to take care of the percentage of people who are going to be seriously seriously ill from this so the best mm -hmm. thing to do is not to spread it but i mean right. according to the president it's like only like ah, a few hundred people anywhere we're fine yeah yeah my um <laughs> my grandpa is 88 and he doesn't drive anymore but recently something happened where like he really doesn't drive anymore so he relies on my sister a lot. He's always like inviting her to things and buying her tickets to plays. And I think he really just wants a ride. Um, so he's like bought her tickets to all of these things. My sister works in an infectious disease clinic. Oh she my does not God. need to be anywhere. My grandpa is a savage. He's like, it's fine. It's fine. I'm 88. I want to <laughs> see a play. And she's like, grandpa, no. So he's, I think he's pretty disappointed. But yeah, he's just reckless. Wow. He's the problem. He's Amazing. part of the problem. Luckily, my sister is not. My sister is not. And based on talking to her, um, her hospital is like ready to go. So there are some people that are preparing for this, um, despite the administration's like numerous failures that have likely worsened the outbreak, um, which we can dive into. Um, yeah. Obviously, like it's understanding so the impact and communicating the impact, I feel like is the a huge part of it too. Like just because we don't have the president up there being like, no, this is serious. Take this seriously. People aren't i mean even on fox news on they had the the main infectious disease doctor on on hannity last night and he was sort of railing hannity like no no no, you don't understand do you need to stop saying this is not like the flu yeah i mean the yeah. because I, I would say that like the most the the biggest issue is that it's been horribly mismanaged in countries mm -hmm. where it's been very well managed vietnam um south korea both of them have actually done an amazing job of quickly getting tests out, quickly isolating people, and basically locking down a giant chunk of 
uh, of the virus outbreak. So that way they actually can maintain some quality of life to some degree because everyone knows who needs to be isolated and is proactively taking those steps. And the government is actively assisting people. In this particular mm-hmm. case in the United States, our rugged individualism and the last like 40 years of telling people that government can't do anything has weirdly undermined trust in government and made it very difficult <laughs> for us to build the structures that get people safely isolated, which is why we are watching people go to extreme lengths. That's why we have to do all of these things. Um, and because yeah. I, I can kind of get like someone sees like the NBA season is suspended. Like that sounds mm-hmm. crazy. And it's really just like everyone saying, look, we don't know who has it. We even if you have one member of one team have it, the number of things that they touch, locker rooms, this, that, like the spread oh, yeah. is going to continue outrageously. The first thing that you have to do is make sure that person is isolated as hell. And then totally. you have to work from there. But if you're isolating an entire basketball team, I mean, that's the entire schedule right there. So everyone's got to be isolated. And then, of course, you don't want to be responsible for spreading a pandemic. Exactly. So no one wants to be like, I went to this NBA game and my grandpa died. Like, that's not (laughs) the energy anyone wants to have. Right. You know, not good for your branding, even if you believe in capitalism. Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) We're just just pulling. You see people doing very drastic things, saying, like, don't go out, don't do this. Because we don't have a system that's actively seeking out who is infected, getting them out of public space. So we need to stop mm-hmm. it from spreading. You know, yeah, that's the most important. I think thing. it was, I think it was the head of the CDC who was asked, you know, why aren't we doing drive-through testing like South Korea did? And his answer was, we want people to like maintain a relationship with their healthcare provider. We want people, if they feel sick, to go to their healthcare provider so it can be like really dealt with. Mm, this is America, sir. A lot of yeah, people's no. healthcare provider is the emergency room. It is city MD. It is urgent care. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of, yes, even, I don't even think if I called my healthcare provider, she would have time to deal with me right now. Like that was just a yeah, bizarre, no. a very bizarre answer. Um, yeah, also I, the CDC, mm, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say like my, my, it's even worse too, because you have a lot of people who have to travel to get to their doctors. You're going to have huge oh, wait yeah. times and relatively small offices because not like, everybody normally you don't have all their patients come in at once this is going to be mm-hmm. like someone who's several thousand patients all of them are going to see them at one time right. it's the worst idea and then of course if any one of them does actually have it you've now transmitted yep. it to every single person who just walked into that doctor's office why not just do it at a place where people are going to be expected to be like infected and you can disinfect much better centralize exactly. it and then we can right. go to that place but you know america america exactly yeah, I know. I've heard guidelines where, like, if you're young, don't just go to the hospital. Call your doctor or call a hospital. Tell them what you're feeling. If if you're young, it's a really, really nasty illness, but you can treat and survive it. Um, like, yeah, they don't even want us at hospitals. It's bizarre. But the CDC also. So one thing I was reading about is the World Health Organization had a test that it developed fairly quickly when this first started showing up in January. By the end of February, it had shipped that test to nearly 60 countries, not our country. And neither the CDC or the Trump administration has said who made that call not to accept the tests. I heard one suggestion that maybe Trump uh, wanted to get it from some somebody or somewhere else that was like connected to him. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously this delayed, it took forever to make our test. And Obviously, like if you can't test people, you can't figure out what the pattern is. You can't isolate people. And it just spread really quickly and put us in the situation we're in now. I think it's common knowledge that the delayed testing is sort of what's put us on this pretty serious uh, path. So I think in general, Mm -hmm. Trump's fixation on like keeping the virus out, which the China virus, as he called it, there's certainly some xenophobia to that, even though it's already here has like really worsened things. Not to mention there used to be somebody on the National Security Council who would be in charge of global health security. That person had a team. But in 2017, John Bolton reorganized the NSC and that person was relieved in addition to their entire team. Well, there were also substantial cuts to the CDC last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I'm going to kind of go back to the archive for this. Um, But like there is a time. I can't remember. I think it was like one of Obama's State of the Union 
when uh, the Republican response was done by Bobby Jindal. And he mm. said something like, I remember he, he was like talking about something that still got paid for during sequester. And he was like volcano monitoring. And I remember that just came like a meme oh. before like memes were like a broad thing. But like, everyone was like, yeah. seems like volcanoes should be monitored, actually. I don't, I don't want to surprise volcano. Like no one <laughs> was like, surprise volcano. And like, I right. just think about the CDC and other stuff like that. Like when it's working properly, we shouldn't know it's there. We shouldn't mm -hmm. have to, we, like, this infrastructure is built for a reason. This is for the emergencies that could happen. No one wants a surprise volcano. No one wants a surprise pandemic. No one, like, if we had those things funded, and understanding that, like, the, the Trump explicitly ran against the idea of a government that serves all of its people, and the xenophobia he reflects, the idea that it's going to be kept out and that there are certain people bringing it in mm -hmm. is another aspect of how he has integrated racism so deeply into the worldview and into the apparatus of the American government that is now incapable of doing its actual function, which is protecting people and helping people live better lives. And that's not mm -hmm. what's happening anymore because Trump has done such an intense has done so much work to undermine that and i think that mm -hmm. that really that that's where like to me the ideological point that he has about like oh you know everything's about me and me 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 and the xenophobia the racism the other things that he's constantly put out from the beginning of his campaign that's what happens when you introduce those things into government like yeah. this is an, a crisis that is easily predictable just from the way he talks about people the way he talks about people who are not white the way he talks about people from foreign countries and the way he has structured everything to ultimately be about getting him cash yes totally yeah and i mean this situation i think a lot of people hope or i would assume exposes how much he has gutted our critical institutions that in a time of disaster not only that that his response to this is like not trustworthy Nobody feels safe the way he's responded to this. I think last night he had an opportunity that he totally bungled. And I do wonder if it will affect his November chances. I wish that either candidate were talking even more about this. If I were running for president, this is all I would be talking about. I know Biden made sort of a presidential type speech uh, today, which I think was a good idea to sort of like contrast what what we could have versus what we do have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh he he gave a speech it was it was very reasonable it was very succinct i think mm -hmm. contrasting it was a good contrast like from electoral politics land back where that is um but yeah. i think nothing shows how incredibly irrelevant so much of the discussion is around political like mm -hmm. a lot of the horse race stuff a lot of the electoral stuff it pales in comparison to what happens when someone is actually running the government and like, yes. to some degree, I feel really frustrated that like so much of the focus is on like, oh, Biden sounded presidential. It's like, OK, can we talk actually for a moment about what it would mean for him to run the government, what it, what it means right mm -hmm. now for this government not to be responsive? Focus on that slightly more than on whether or not Biden showed that he is like mentally competent, which I definitely think he is. That's not a, mm -hmm. really in question. But like now it's all about like, see, that Republican talking mm -hmm. point's not gonna work. And I was like, that is not yes. the key right now, y'all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's yeah. maintain focus. Yeah, totally. Oh man, yeah, I mean, this is just like really affecting people's lives and there are so many things the government could be doing to to mitigate it. Um I mean the government obviously massive events have been canceled and there's nothing they can really do. Uh, about that but um the biggest thing i can't i can't believe also i i was so surprised that colleges were ending the semester or sending people home for the semester i think because i thought it was like this is such a weird year i thought it was still february but i guess it makes more sense because it's like mid-march but the school i mean they're sending people home uh not every student believe yeah. it or not at harvard can just afford to jump on a plane and go what? back to wherever in new england they came from yeah or just get a private yeah. car who knows from what I have seen from sort of anecdotal accounts, Harvard is 
um, being somewhat generous. I've just heard anecdotes that like, if you can't afford to fly home, you just go to the bursar and they're just swiping credit cards to get people out of there. Um, room and board wow. charges for the rest of the semester are refunded. Um, the academic year is considered ongoing. So luckily that doesn't affect like student visa- visas. But it's unclear what happens to kids who, you know, rely on campus jobs for income, people that are there on grants and scholarships. I don't think that they can be assured that that their tuition, uh, the money they use for tuition itself will still be there. Um, mm-hmm. Harvard is sort of saying like we're working on all of that. And Harvard has a $40 billion endowment they can certainly afford to take every step possible to mitigate this for kids in addition to all of the other sort of new england schools that are that are doing this and it's obviously it's not just them um but that's a move that like that's that's a hugely hugely disruptive move for people rebag is a luxury resale marketplace they have a curated collection of investment worthy bags watches and fine jewelry Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. It's, It's incredibly disruptive, and I think that kind of naturally leads to the focus on like what is happening on a granular level to people. Um, because like, as, as you said, you know, there are kids who can't afford to go back home. There are kids who are at school to isolate themselves from harmful situations um, mm-hmm. at home. Um, it's true for, and if that's, that's the case for them, like I'm also thinking about Harvard's workers. Like how many, yeah. there's actually a, a big issue a few years back where there was a strike and, you know, whether or not students were going to cross the lines and mm-hmm. basically, you know, Harvard staff is horribly underpaid. I don't know whether or not they get sick leave. And so we're also looking at like, if, if you're, if you've got $40 billion saved up for your institution what are you Now's waiting the time. for? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, what else could you possibly be waiting to spend it on? Oh, we're going to build our own Another library like, no. in 2030. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is, if, if it really comes down to it, this is the moment that like, you have to start inv- reinvesting in the people who make Harvard function. Mm-hmm. That's not just the students, but it's also, like, again, people who have clean up the rooms and organize all of the stuff and administrative staff. And, you know, like there's a whole group of people who like keep it all running and clean and functioning. And, you know, as we get to, it brings me to like sick leave and paid yeah. leave in general, where like the United States, uh, e- even wealthy, uh, wealthy companies, wealthy places, nonprofits, they don't put money towards paid leave for people. We don't have uh, paid sick leave. Um, and which means, I mean, paid sick leave just means like if you're sick, you can get paid while you're sick. And like yeah. one of the things that was really striking to me as I was having conversations today um, and the, the indefinite sick leave was introduced um, at my store was that you know, people were like, oh, you know, they might just call out because they don't want to work. And I was like, yo, the fact that we are in a place where we don't trust each other is so unbelievable. Like, just for sheer humanity, if someone's decided that, like, the only way they can get free from their job is to have to take sick time used for a global pandemic, maybe (laughs) there's a bigger problem. Right. Right. (laughs) And And also health officials health officials are in, are giving guidance to just stay home whether you are sick or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the idea that people would like, first of all, the idea that you would stay home even if you're not sick, well, that's precisely what the health officials are asking us to do. Absolutely. I mean, oh. it, because the, every moment you leave your house is another moment of risk. Every moment, right? Exactly. Every minute you spend outside, every moment you get on a bus, every moment you, you know, talk to someone, touch a table, grab a pole, whatever it is, you are putting yourself at risk that you will become a carrier or that you will be a recipient, like you'll full blown get the the virus. 
And that just puts so many more people at risk because every one person is like, how many points of contact? I'm sure that there's like an official number that mm-hmm. they range to that like epidemiologists study where it's like, oh, a single person is this many points of contact minimally and it can go up from there. So you go all the way from like Thoreau out in the woods, zero points of contact all the way up to like president of the United States. How many points mm-hmm. of contact, you know, or leader of a of cult, lots of points of contact. You never know. Right. The point is, don't leave if you can afford not to leave. And the problem is, too many people in this country cannot afford to leave. Right. You know, they can't yeah. afford to, to basically say like, oh, I can stay home. Like, my job is in a store. Like, I have to go to work. I, I can't afford not to go to work until apparently this morning when I was told, actually, Caitlin, you can afford not to go to work, but right. only if you're exhibiting cold and flu symptoms. Mm-hmm. Me being like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm just going to transmit disease every time right. I'm commuting now. Super fun. Yeah. And that's the generous thing. Like, no, you if you're sick, if you are feeling incredibly ill, please stay home. But otherwise, exactly. come on in. Like, oh. We need your it's labor. Rough. And it's like, it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what am I getting paid to do this again? It could <laughs> possibly be the source of a pandemic. I'm getting how much? Oh, right. Yes. You know? That and that's is what, what I have been. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I've been the most anxious about, like feeling really panicky and anxious that I've realized is like the thing I'm most anxious about is, is getting it and then it being my fault. But okay. So is the government are they planning to do anything for paid leave? Like, where are we at with that now? I heard that House Democrats were doing something in that direction today. Yes. The legislation, um, which they would hope uh, passed by the end of the day, would grant workers 14 days of paid sick leave. That the three months of paid family and medical leave. Um, other provisions in the 124-page Families First Coronavirus Response Act uh, introduced late Wednesday include employment insurance to furloughed workers and hundreds of millions of dollars in additional funding for children, seniors, and other federal nutrition programs, which is great because I tweeted out last night, maybe we should, you know, loosen up SNAP requirements while people are possibly going to be self-isolating for two weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. You may not be able to get by without food. Crazy. I I believe that's a human Um, need. Yeah. Yes. Um, And so maybe we should make it easier to get food and not harder right now, particularly for people who are on the margins. Um, The Trump administration has said, you know, whatever. Sure. Fuck that. Um, And they're not going to loosen the restrictions right now, but it can be done at the state level. So we're looking at some states doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, The federal legislation from the Democrats also includes hundreds of millions of dollars to support low income moms, pregnant women who have. Uh, who might have young children and might lose their jobs as a result of a virus outbreak. I know plenty of single moms at work. That would be incredibly helpful. Um, Millions of dollars for food banks and uh, guarantee free coronavirus testing for anyone who requires it, including people without insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, because the Senate is a great and awesome chamber that we love. Totally (laughs) love the Senate. Totally love the Senate. Um, A single senator. Uh, Lamar Alexander of Tennessee blocked the paid sick leave bill that would have guaranteed that hourly workers could stay home when they're ill. I love Remember it. Remember when is, we thought you know, he might vote to convict the president? Good times. Yeah, that, I don't. Was that the thing that we were believing? Was that was that a thing? I, mean, I did. I'm just, I did. I'm asking. In the final I'm, moments, I know I said we, and then I was like, he was one of the ones where it was like, he might, he might, he's retiring, he might do the right thing. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, I gave up on Republicans a really long time ago. No offense to Republican <laughs> yeah. listeners. Your guys are great. <laughs> they are great if they're listening to this. You're awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're amazing. <laughs> yeah, so everybody stay safe. I have heard that the best thing to do to help people is to donate money to food banks instead of food. Also, you probably shouldn't be going out of your way to go to the grocery store and touch more stuff that you're giving to other people. Um, yeah. That can be contained. Um, yeah. Everybody stay safe. Should we move on to the election section? Let's get like a little bit of electoral politics because, you know, 
what's what's a great follow-up if you're stuck at home exactly listening to all of this mm -hmm. yeah super tuesday too Super Tuesday 2. I heard it referred to as Super Tuesday 2 and Big Tuesday. I like Big Tuesday. That's fair. That's fair. I was going to go with uh, 2 Super 2 Tuesday. Oh, yes. That's definitely <laughs> the superior choice. <laughs> Especially when you say it. <laughs> Very effective. <laughs> but six states held their primary. Yeah, exactly. Six states held their primaries. Uh, Biden racked up fairly substantial wins, I think it's fair to say, in Michigan, Missouri, Mississippi, Idaho, and Washington. Um, he's barely ahead in Washington. I think they've called it. It's like 60 or 77 percent of the vote. Um, but it doesn't really affect the sort of conclusions people are making based on everything else that happened. Yeah. Bernie Sanders did win North Dakota. Notably, Biden won every single county in Missouri. And he won yeah. Michigan by about 16 points. As much as being made of Biden's performance in Michigan. Can you explain why? Oh, wow. Okay, so basically Michigan, I mean, first of all, Michigan is one of the states that flipped um, mm -hmm. after a very long time of being Democratic. So it was a big one for, for Democrats to lose in 2016. There's been a lot of focus on it. Bernie Sanders pulled a very narrow win there in 2016 when in the primary. And it was the largest delegate uh, hall of the night, I believe, at like 129, 125, somewhere in there. You can check that. Um, but basically, um, Michigan is one of the largest delegate halls of the night. And... It was a huge deal because Bernie was really hoping that he could hold the line there. Um, it really comes down to which demographics ended up going for Biden versus the ones that went for Sanders. Um, and that's why it was such a clear cut victory. But also it was a it was very it was it was a very large rebuke to the idea mm. that Bernie Sanders, the entire way he had written the story of his campaign and how he's going to get the nomination was by winning over people who basically he really needs to win over very specific groups of people but he last time he did really well among surprisingly black voters i mean relative to how he would performed with black voters previously in 2016 he did well in michigan bernie um same thing uh before with um you know with uh rural uh whites without a college education so mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of people who were like really in, uh, supposed to show up for him and they didn't show up. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Uh, hey, Amanda, I'm going to take the time to talk about the bigger picture of, of Sanders' campaign. Um, so, I, you know, the one of the things that we I mentioned with Michigan was, like, who turned out, who's supposed to be there. And mm -hmm. um, the campaign relied heavily on youth turnout. You know, the entire concept is that Bernie Sanders is going to lead, lead a revolution. And that revolution would be powered by young people. Um, he had a really high youth turnout uh, back in 2016. He did not get that turnout again in 2020. 
Um, and that was one of the big issues is that he assumed that his 2016 numbers were a floor. Um, that mm-hmm. means that he thought that that was like the very least amount of votes he could get. And I have like so many thoughts on this. It's very mm-hmm. distressing. Um, but uh, I, I did take a time to, to write a little bit about it, which mm-hmm. is that a, lar- a large portion of Bernie Sanders' vote was anti-Hillary. Yeah. You know, it was really about saying like, we don't want her. They were amenable to Biden. I remember seeing somewhere that like back in 2016, that like a really high percentage of Bernie Sanders voters would have were like, oh, our other choice is Joe Biden. And I was like, oh, this is not about policy. Got yeah. it. Okay, <laughs> cool. And as it turned out, when they were offered Sanders or Biden, they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to go with that one because we don't actually care about policy. And it almost entirely undercut that the, the little margin that he'd had um men swung from sanders to biden what a surprise again that yeah, anti-hillary yeah. vote super super entrenched well that's um, what i wanted to ask you is that you know how much of that is an anti-hillary vote because hillary clinton is obviously a divisive figure and how much of that is possibly they didn't want to vote for a woman um i mean i think that it was I think that the success of Joe Biden is obviously puts into context the degree to which gender was a hindrance for yeah. Hillary Clinton in in 2016. I don't like mm-hmm. that. Like I, I don't like that our answer is, oh, just do it again, but with a man yeah. who's more conservative. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, problem solved. I can definitely vote for that person. Like, what the what? You're just a terrible person. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's just so frustrating because it's like, yeah, no, yeah. I definitely believe in all these things. Oh, not if a woman says so. And you're like, yeah, that that completely invalidates the entire point of believing any of this stuff. Um, right. Yeah. But yeah, there was a huge there was a huge anti Clinton vote. Um, and you yeah, know, and, every yeah. time she runs, that that is always built in. People don't want to hear that about Barack Obama either, but it was part of the reason he ended up with slightly lower, um, sl- lower results in in 2012 among many many myriad reasons was not in the primary was that like he he looked better opposite Hillary Clinton and people really did dislike her enough that it was like yeah. wow he beat her he's a better like they really enjoyed the fact that she had been forced to concede and. Uh, apparently like that was enough for biden you know there's no reason not for joe biden not to get those votes he was going to get them yeah yeah totally and and tuesday's votes put biden pretty far ahead in the delegate count he's at 864 sanders is at 710 again you need 1991 to get the nomination um actually if you look in the description today uh brian and elise made a really funny video uh just sort of explaining how this works how the math works, how the delegates are apportioned, all of that. So that will be uh, linked in the description and you can find it on all of our social too and our YouTube. Um, But as we said before, the more of a delegate lead a candidate can get, the harder it is to catch up, obviously, because there are fewer delegates on the table. I feel like every time Biden has a big night, which seems to be every Tuesday now, we see, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that Sanders needs to win, you know, this like a huge, huge percentage of every remaining state in a way that does not seem barring something major some some huge scandal with biden or if biden dies i, I don't know what it would take um <laughs> there's no there's nothing the off limits in this primary i don't want to say true. like this is not wishing anything negative on anyone who's out there but right we're in the middle of a global pandemic you guys and about four weeks ago none of us was prepared for this to be the issue that was defining the presidential election so right. like when i say anything can happen and anything anything these can men, happen. These men anything are elderly. Can They're yeah. all elderly and we have like a murder the elderly like like yeah. pandemic happening right now. We should right. all be prepared for whatever could emerge from that. Right. I mean, based on projections yeah. like, okay, if you're saying 70 million people might get it, the odds of one of the three 70 something year old men not getting it are extremely small, especially because they've been shaking hands for for weeks while oh, this yeah. has been out there. Yeah, there's no amount of hand sanitizer that's going to fix campaign literally zero literally zero yeah yeah 
So, yeah. um, and I mean, yeah, we're before I end up on a tangent because my brain like went through like four different things to say. I was like, yeah. wait, nope, that's gonna just put us way okay. off topic. Um, I I do want to kind of get into a little bit more about sexism and how it affected this race. Yeah, because Joe Biden has benefited tremendously from his gender. Um, I know I'm gonna say it in a different way than normal, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, instead of saying like. How are women hurt by being women? I'm going to actually talk about how men benefit from being men. Uh, That's Joe definitely palatable. Yeah. Um, Joe Biden has a smaller uh, lead in delegates, raw number and percentage wise than Hillary Clinton did in 2016. At the same point, at the same point in the race with the same amount of they, we've actually distributed more delegates per contest because of California which had been moved way mm. up the schedule. If California had been this early in the schedule in 2016, Bernie Sanders would have been forced to drop out much earlier. She crushed right. him. But mm -hmm. just the way we're talking about Joe Biden right now, where everyone's like, you know, Bernie's got to drop out. Bernie's got to do this. Bernie's got to stop doing this. And I was like, we had someone who had, I did the math on this. I just got to find it. But um, Hillary Clinton had a, a delegate lead of over 200. She had over 200 more delegates than he did by March 10th. Mm -hmm. By March 15th, the next contest, she more or less had something like a 400 delegate lead and people encouraged Bernie Sanders to stay into the convention. Right. No one told him to get out. No one told him it was impossible. Even they let him stay in for another month. New York is the same time as it was last cycle, roughly about two days off. And like April 21st and Bernie Sanders went heavy saying like he was going to mm -hmm. possibly do something in Hillary Clinton's senator. She was elected senator here. The wildest thing I've ever heard was the idea that Bernie Sanders could win New York. It was just out mm -hmm. of, out of possibility. Yeah. He got crushed and people still told him to stay in the race. They would never, we're seeing right now, Joe Biden is benefiting tremendously, not only from the fact that Bernie Sanders beat up mercilessly on Hillary Clinton, but the idea that Joe Biden is entitled to a cleaner, easier race than Hillary Clinton was, right. that the lead that he's developed, that's worth respecting to such a degree that Bernie Sanders shouldn't even try. Bernie himself has stopped even trying to, to attack. Last time, he legitimately said that he was going to continue attacking her. He did begin to make it personal and get more right. negative by the time he got to New York. I think about the fact that he didn't have a really great relationship with Hillary Clinton. And he if there's a BuzzFeed piece that came out that was detailing like what was going on inside the campaign and how he reluctant he was to attack Joe Biden because, you know, we're friends. And I just right. thought about yeah, like yeah. he he does not have that level of camaraderie with women. Elizabeth Warren's campaign apparently reached out more than a month before her. She actually dropped out saying her numbers weren't going to get her there and starting to try to discuss with Bernie, like what it would look like. And apparently they were rebuffed. I think mm -hmm. about that a lot. And I was like, she was his friend. Right. And, and now I read in that story, he's reaching out to her for help. Oh yeah. And she's like, no, which makes perfect yeah. sense because why would she do that now, especially since he's losing and there's no point in attaching herself to his campaign. It would yeah. have made a lot more sense if when she was doing the outreach and saying, let's get a dialogue going about what I can do. He could mm -hmm. have taken that as an opportunity. Instead, he has he's been reluctant to knock against his main rival and he's done too little too late. And that, that's a shield that Joe Biden has because he's able to kind of build the camaraderie that with someone like Bernie Sanders, that like Hillary Clinton wouldn't be able to, that Elizabeth Warren apparently wasn't able to. And she's an ideological fellow, so there's no reason why he should be hostile. But the mm -hmm. lack of reflection there really was really troubling to me. And I, I see how Joe Biden is benefiting from like there's a lot less inspection of his record there's a lot more forgiveness for his mistakes there's a willingness to give him positive uh free media mm -hmm. he gets mm -hmm. all of these things that hillary clinton didn't get and it's not because he's a better candidate it's because he's a guy or he's assumed to be a better candidate because he's a guy yeah. but like 
we should keep that in mind as we go forward, which is like, yeah, if sexism hurts the campaign, it's not because necessarily, it's not only because of the women who ran who got marginalized. It's also because men take advantage of the things that boost men and they don't, they don't interrogate that at all. And they don't even try to level it out by being like, you know what, let me open myself up to certain discussions that will force me to really inspect and defend myself and think about how I want to lead. You know, women are forced to do that all the time. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. As you were saying that, I was thinking that, you know, if Hillary Clinton was dealing with like an issue with one of her kids, have it, you know, the president having been impeached because of a scandal possibly involving one of their kids, as, as the Republicans have effectively called it, this would be over. She would not be the leading candidate, the prohibited no. nominee at all. So I think it's, yeah, it's, I think that's a useful framing. Like not only does, does men's gender help them, but the things that sort of women are dinged harder and their mistakes are more fatal um, and harped on, I think, more as a result of, of their gender, whereas men, I think, can get away with a little more and uh, not as held back by it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there is another debate. Yesterday, Sanders, Bernie Sanders, he said uh, the words we're losing, um, which is interesting, on, on, the, on people's electability question, that people appear to be looking more at electability. Um, but he believes that his campaign has won the ideological debate, and he wants to keep that ideological debate going a little longer, um, presumably to you know force Biden's hand to make him to commit to some of these more progressive policies that are important to a big wing of the party and could be really activating in, in November. What do we think he is going to try to do uh, during that debate? It's on Sunday at 8 in, or, in um, Arizona. Well, it's actually been moved back to Washington, D.C., Oh, yes. Um, Thank you. Democrats. Yeah. Democrats wanted it uh, to to minimize cross-country travel, yeah. which with two septuagenarians <laughs> as the main <laughs> delegate leads right now. Great idea. Excellent. Um, yeah. I mean, people are saying that they should cancel it. I think that's really wrong. I agree that I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm like not a big Bernie Sanders person. But like, I think there's something important about getting Biden on the record. Mm-hmm. I think there's something about testing his acuity at this point, just to make sure that he's sharp in the ways that need to be. Because for me, everything comes down to the general election. As much as yeah. people focus on electability as like an abstract notion. And I just want to say, like, this is giving me this entire discussion about like this, this particular white dude is the inverse of, of whoever the, the Republicans mm-hmm. are running. And it's an incumbent. And I'm getting super strong John Kerry flashbacks in 04. Yeah. I'm getting super strong. Like, we got someone with an actual military record who's got military wars. And I was like, that did not help, did it? Did not right. help. We all thought that was electable. And then it did not get elected. It did not get elected at all. It was worse than the first time. I think <laughs> people just need to be prepared. Like, I want to see Joe Biden take some really hard hits because John Kerry got swift voted. They are going mm-hmm. to take shots at Joe Biden. Really, really nasty ones. They will disseminate across social media like wildfire. If Bernie Sanders can get some pushback and say, like, show us that you're capable of knocking out your opponent when you have them on the ropes. Show us that you are capable of handling really tough questions. Show us that you're capable of realigning yourself to energize the base and not merely be defensive you know because he's being picked as a defensive pick he's not being picked as an affirmation pick Mm -hmm. you know the fact that he's pulling voters who are like anti-hillary the fact that that basically you're just watching people choose anti-bernie votes these are just anti-bernie votes that are going to biden because people are so afraid of beating trump and they think that bernie sanders can't do it and that's fine i think that's actually completely reasonable and accurate but I also think that assuming that Joe Biden can be Donald Trump is a bigger assumption that no one's actually taken a peek at yet because the assumptions yeah. have just been sitting there so automatically. So I do want to say, like, Joe Biden does need that debate to show that he actually can knock down any of the negative things that have been popping up about him that had undermined his candidacy before his last minute survival in, in South Carolina that boosted him to where he is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's also something to be said about the fact that it's it's the first sort of one-on-one debate. 
And people mm-hmm. concerns I have heard about Biden in in a general election race is debating Donald Trump. Um, can he? We know he has his challenges sometimes in debates. Can he be fluid and lucid and um, persuasive enough in that kind of environment? And better to sort of find out what those weaknesses are with Bernie Sanders than with Donald Trump. Absolutely. I, yeah. Yeah. Pre, I like, how can I bring memes into real life and just get like a preach gift going? Is it possible to <laughs> yeah. do that audio wise? No, no, it's not. That's so. a visual thing. Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like super Tuesday. <laughs> Too super Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things that looks amazing on the movie poster, okay? <laughs> um, right, right, yeah. So next yeah, but, next Tuesday yeah. is a couple more bigger states, including Florida, which is a big one that people will be watching. And um, then we'll probably have even a clearer sense, and then maybe there will be more news from the Sanders campaign, possibly. Yeah, I, I expect that uh, unless something really wild happens between now and next Tuesday, Bernie Sanders is going to be forced to drop out. Um, yeah. Just because math wise, like that delegate hall is very organized against him. And he also said some really, really positive things, not negative right. enough things about Fidel Castro. And you really can't mm-hmm. win Florida like that. That's not going to happen. Exactly. Right. Right. On that note, we have a very quick one more thing. I just wanted to note that I was told to read today that the World Health Organization says that dogs cannot be infected by the coronavirus. People mm-hmm. had some questions. Yes. Thank goodness. Yay. Well, I, there was a girl in my so building. Cute. Yeah, there was a girl <laughs> in my building and I was like, like loving on her puppy. And she was like, I'm actually trying to have him not do that. And I'm like, oh, okay. But maybe she had a point. But now I can be salty next time I see her and read her yeah. puppy even more enthusiastically Hug that puppy i will i will <laughs> well while we're all at home trapped like if you have a dog feel free to hug your dog your dog will be yes fine. exactly yes and Do not also leave your dog hanging. your heart rate your your dog might be like hey my human is sick let's let's get this going so this right. is good bond yeah yes <laughs> do it bond bond all the way through the end of democracy speaking of until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betcha Sup Podcast. The Betcha Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. The Sup is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to Sup at Betches.com. Batches.